Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. And I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. What's up, guys? So I was talking to a guy today and he was talking about wanting to invest in our Thrive program. And I was like, Let's, let's do this, man. What, what's stopping you? He goes, honestly, he's like, I got to talk to my wife about it. I say what? You got to talk to your wife about it. What do you mean? He's like, well, you know, she probably divorced me if I did it without telling her. Now, hold on a second. I totally get and I totally understand why your wife might be upset if you were to buy or invest in something and that's the way you guys usually make decisions, et cetera, et cetera. But for you to say that your wife is going to divorce you because you're trying to better yourself, do you hear how stupid that sounds? Listen up, guys. Women don't divorce you because you're trying to better yourself. They divorce you, well, they're already divorcing you because A, they didn't emotionally connect with you, B, you're an asshole, C, you're a narcissist, or D, your your marriage got so toxic over the years, it was irreparable. Or she'd been trying to tell you, hey, look, we need to fix this. We need to work on this. And you decided you didn't want to do it. You didn't want to go to counseling. You didn't want to do those things. So now that you're wanting to work on yourself, why in the heck would she want to divorce you? See, it's not about that. It's about your fear that you need mommy's permission sometimes to do what you want to do. But to sit here and blame her that you need permission because you're not a man and you have no balls, that's not on her. That's on you. That's totally on you. You can't say that your wife is going to divorce you because you fucking invested into a program. Like that's a joke. That's an absolute fucking joke. But we hear things like this all the time. We hear guys that are just scared to make a move, scared to make a decision, scared to do any of these things. Why? Because they're afraid that if they do something well, they do something for themselves, their wife is going to do X. So this is why we say you must detach from the outcome. If you are so focused on saving your marriage, you're white knuckling it, guess what? It's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Guys, what you're trying to do is manipulate your wife into staying by doing or not doing things that you think are going to have a positive or negative effect on the outcome of your marriage. Your marriage is already over. I hate to break it to you. Your wife wants out of the marriage, says, I don't love you anymore, has cheated on you, has kicked you out, has, has moved out. Any of those things have happened. Your marriage is over. It's over. The only way forward is to create a new marriage. But the only way to create a new marriage is for you to do the work on you. 
Look, we see marriages saved all the time in Empowered Man. But here's the only thing we don't see. We never see a marriage saved where the guy has not taken full ownership, where the guy has not done the work on himself to get healing, to get better, to learn how to communicate in a healthier way, in a positive way, and save the marriage. We've just never seen it. We've never seen a marriage saved without the man actually doing that work. So if you're a guy and you're like, man, I want to save my marriage. I want to do this. And you're not doing the work, dude, what are you doing? You're wasting your fucking time. You are literally wasting your time not doing the work. So regardless, even if you don't want to save marriage, the fact is you can't escape you. You are going to live with you for the rest of your life. And if you're going to be with you for the rest of your life, wouldn't it be better if you actually had your shit together? Wouldn't it be better if you actually knew how to communicate? Wouldn't it be better if you actually did the things that you were supposed to do to be successful in life in all facets and thrive in every dimension of life? Maybe that's what you should think about. Hey, so if you're watching or listening to this training, I want to welcome you to what I call the five steps to saving your marriage. Uh, more than likely, you're in a place where you're wanting to figure out how do I save my marriage? And if you're like most men who come to me in the beginning, you've probably been spinning your wheels for a while, right? Let's just be honest here. So here's what most men do is as soon as their wife has stepped out of the marriage, said, I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. You find out she's cheating, etc. The immediate thing they do is they start looking at, oh my gosh, how did I fuck this up? How did I mess this up? What did I do wrong? How could I be better? And they start looking at all the things that they can try to control and do in order to change the situation. The problem is they're doing the wrong things. That's right. If you're listening to this and you've just got started or you've been doing this for a while and you can't seem to get any results, it's because you are doing the wrong things. And so I'm going to talk specifically today to men out there who are in a place where they want to save their marriage but they can't figure out why it's not working, why the things they're doing aren't working. And they're, they're trying all these things. For example, a lot of guys will go see a counselor or a therapist and they can't figure out like, well, I'm doing that. How come she's not coming back to the marriage? How come she's not wanting to be married to me? I'm finally in counseling with her, but she's not really showing up. They beg, they cling, they ask for sex, they bring roses, they do all these things. Then they go work out, they try to get a better body, they, they try to be something for her because they're hoping that if they just become that guy, if they just become better, stronger, fitter, smarter, more emotional, more spiritual, a better leader, whatever, that if they just do the thing, that they'll get the wife back. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you from our uh, at Empowered Man, our history of working with over 2,000 men, 2,000 men who have gone through one of our programs and we've helped them successfully. Not all of them save their marriage, but a lot of them do. And so I want to talk specifically about the ones who are successful and what we found that has worked for these men to not only try to get their marriage back, but to actually create something new within them for them to finally get their power, their confidence, and their freedom back at the same time. Because look, what does it profit a man to get your wife back, but yet you yourself never went through any growth or transformation? And, and essentially, you come to this place where whatever you did to get her back, you have to continue to do to keep her, right? I call that manipulation. Where essentially, you manipulate your wife to come back to the marriage. And in order for her to stay in the marriage, you have to manipulate her. I did it. I did it multiple times. I am a sinner when it comes to this. 
And it was because I, I did what I thought was necessary in order to be successful, but ultimately backfired on me. So I'm going to talk about all of those things in this training specifically. So here's the first step towards saving your marriage. Number one is you got to stop doing this. You got to stop hitting what we call the she button. That's right. This right here, the she button. The she button is where there is blame, there is shame. You see, men that come in hitting the she button, they do this. I, I don't know what to do. She doesn't want me to live with her anymore. She wants me out of the house. She cheated on me. She, she did this. She did that. She did all of these things. And she controls everything. She's going to go to the lawyer. She's going to divorce me. She, 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 she. They she all over the place. Right? And so what they're doing is essentially, instead of looking internally, they blame the wife. They she all over the place. And see, here's the reason why. It's because blaming your wife literally comes from your own shame. You feel shame about what you're going through. And because you feel shame about what you're going through, the only thing you need, you know, to do is to blame somebody, right? You have to blame when you feel shame. Dictionary.com says shame is a painful feeling caused by the consciousness or exposure of unworthy or indecent conduct or circumstances. What I want to key in on there is the exposure of unworthy or indecent conduct. You have been exposed. When, when, when a woman wants to leave a man, a man feels exposed. He feels shamed. He feels like something he did fucked it up. Somehow he couldn't keep it together. And here's what happens is he feels shame about it to other people. He's like, what are other people going to think of me? That's a status issue, right? What is, what is the church going to think of me? What are my parents going to think of me? What are my kids going to think of me? What is my boss going to think of me? What are my friends are going to think of me? And so he feels all this shame that's externally focused. And then he has this internal shame of what does this say about me as a man? That, that another man slept with my wife, that another man had his hands on her ass. What does that say about me as a man? And so he starts to question everything. And so the only thing he knows to do is talk about her to talk about what she is doing because that's where he places his focus look it's easier to focus on what she has done wrong instead of owning your shit and being responsible for you it's just face it it's easier i remember going through this and you know when people started finding out what was going on i would yeah you know she's she's leaving me and and she's you know you know, dating other guys and, you know, and she's doing this and, and she's doing that. And all that did was to get sympathy from other people. I was like, somebody feels sorry for me. I don't know what to do. Somebody feels sorry for me. Somebody make me feel better about myself because right now, deep down, I feel like shit. And the only way I can express myself is to get validation and sympathy from other people, especially men. I'd call up my friends. I'd text them. Man, she did this now. I just caught this thing. I just found this thing. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And all this anxiety you feel because of the shame that you feel. But if you want to save your marriage, the number one thing you've got to stop doing is hitting the she button. It's hitting the she button. It's super important that you learn to stop blaming her and stop looking externally for what is going on and start to look here. We say this in our, in our Thrive program, you've got to stop hitting the she button and start hitting the me button. 
Stop hitting the she button and start hitting the me button. One more time. Stop hitting the she button and start hitting the me button. And by doing that, you start to put yourself in a more powerful position to bring your wife back. Why? Because if you get, if you go into a position of, I'm not blaming her, but I'm looking at what I can control and what I can own. Suddenly she doesn't feel that pressure anymore. Your wife no longer feels the pressure of you blaming her, you clinging to her, you doing all those things because you're no longer focused on what she is doing. You're focused on what you are doing. And by focusing on what you are doing, you ultimately put yourself back in the seat of control and power. You do what we call diffusing the power that your wife has over you. So that's the first step. The second step is number two is recognize you have been lying to yourself. We see this every freaking day. Man will come and share his backstory in our Facebook group or on a call with one of my advisors, and he'll share all the situation of what's going on, but only come to find out he's actually been lying to himself. You see, what happens is when a man goes through a separation or, or even a divorce, he starts to tell himself a story of what happened. He, he begins to think about the story and, 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 and spends time just crafting that story. So that when he's talking to his friends or when he's talking to her parents or when he's talking to his parents or when he's talking to his pastor or when he's talking to people at church, when he's talking to their friends, he has a story to tell them because no one in their right mind wants to be left and have nothing to blame. And so you craft the story around she did this and she did that and she did this. And what you've been doing is essentially creating a story that didn't really happen. You blame things, you, you, you talk, you, you minimize what you've done, and you even minimize your own pain in some ways, in some capacity, and, and you make it all about external things because those external things are what matter because those external things keep you safe. So we call this the ego. See, the ego's job is to protect you from being exposed. And so it's so much easier to create a story, to craft a story around what you perceive that happened, and then use that story and broadcast it to the world. And that story usually goes something like this. I was minding my own business. Everything was great. Suddenly she decided to go cheat on me. Suddenly she decided to leave the marriage that we had that was good. I took care of her financially. I made sure that we went on vacation. Occasionally I told her I loved her. Sometimes we might even go on a date night. I don't know why she would have done such a thing. I didn't deserve this. That's your fucking ego talking. Your ego gets in the way almost every single time. Why? Because it wants to protect you from the judgment of other people. It wants to protect you from owning your own shit. So while it has a place in terms of protection and making sure that you're okay, it also can become the curse and the very thing that stops you from gaining insight and knowledge into your own situation and learning how you've been lying to yourself. So here's the three main ways men lie to themselves uh, and others while going through separation divorce. Number one, you've been lying to, you, to, your, to people, you've been lying to yourself about the part you've played in the failure of your marriage. This I see all of the time. I see this so many times, and it's because we aren't aware of the failure we've played. If we have never taken ownership, true ownership of our marriage, we will continuously look at the external factors. I have some guys that will continuously blame the friends that their spouse or wife is hanging out with. And they'll say, well, 
you know, my wife started hanging out with these single gals or these divorcees, and suddenly she decided she didn't want to be married anymore. Okay, what? <laughs> so you're telling me that your wife of 10 years, 15 years, got some friends one day, and because of those friends, they convinced her that her marriage was bad and that she should leave the marriage, and that's why she's leaving you. Right. You see, because that makes no sense. Now, could a friend help her understand what she's going through from a toxic standpoint? Of course, absolutely. But ultimately, it's her decision to leave a marriage. She's not being forced. Nobody's put a gun to her head telling her she needs to leave the marriage. Okay, Her choice is her choice. And her choice doesn't just come from her friends exposing things or, or telling her lies or telling her those things. No, she's probably been thinking and processing this for up to two to three years before she even makes the move to actually file for divorce. It's amazing the story we tell ourselves, but, but isn't it a better story to tell, your sto to tell yourself the this, this story that, look, you know, I didn't really play a part in this. You know, I, I wasn't the one that did these things. I wasn't the one that cheated. I was a good husband. I was great, right? That's the ego protecting you. Because the ego wants to protect you. It wants to make you feel safe and coddled and cuddled. And, oh, it's okay, little boy. You're going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything to deserve this. Blah, 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 blah. To make you feel better and special about yourself because you're so unique and special. And you're a good little boy who didn't do anything wrong. You see how much bullshit this is? But this is the fucking story we tell ourselves because it's safer, it's easier, it's more comfortable to not look at our own self and our own shit and our own sin, to not look at those things that might have caused her to not want to be in a relationship with us, to might have caused bad communication and toxicity. Because maybe if we actually looked at the real story, we'd see that we were an asshole to her sometimes, that we didn't love her the way she needed to be loved, that we didn't give her what she needed to be given because we couldn't, because we were full of ourselves because we were all about us and protecting our ego. Here's the number two thing. You've been lying about what you really feel. Whew. <laughs> this is a tough one for a lot of men because they get into these situations and they don't know what they feel. And part of the reason they don't know what they feel is because they don't want to know what they really feel. So they lie about their feelings. Some guys will even say, well, it's not really bothering me. And I'm like, well, why did you call us? Why are you on the phone with us? Or like, why did you click through our ad? And they're like, well, I just want to see what you guys had to do. Like, dude, you're lying right now about your own feelings. And here's why men are not taught that it's safe to feel. Men are not taught that it's safe to feel. See, we're taught as little boys that we have to toughen up, be strong, wipe that tear off your eye. Don't get mad. Don't be too mean. Don't be too excited. You know, it's like all these emotions that men feel, we're told it's not okay. We're not supposed to have those. And so we feel shame. So that shame builds up in us again. And we begin telling ourselves a story. It's not okay to feel. And so one, one way I've seen is most men will lie about what they're feeling because they don't want to feel anything. And so they'll lie to themselves. I'm not feeling anything. I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. Fuck her. She's a bitch, blah, blah, blah. That's one aspect. And then the other side is I'm dying. I can't live without her. And it's like, you're lying about your feelings because what you think to be true about your feelings is not actually true. And so those feelings actually have nothing to do with her it has everything to do with your ego. So case in point, again, I'll tell you my story, which was that I thought I was absolutely in love with my wife and I could not fathom being with somebody else. I couldn't fathom not being in a marriage with her. But as I did the work, 
as I did the, the emotional work, the spiritual work, the journey that I, that I went on to get me to this place of empowered man and empowerment. When I did that journey and I did that work, I started to realize I actually wasn't in love with her. Like I thought I was, what I actually was, was more in love with myself and my status as a married man and my ego of being a protector and having someone that was codependent upon me. Whoa, bro. That's some deep shit. It is some deep shit because that's what happens when you are honest about what you actually feel. And I came to these, this place and this understanding of, while I did have love for my wife, I totally did. I loved my wife. I did not love her to the place that I needed to because I was more in love with me. And I was more in love with the way I looked on the outside to other people in church and community. I was more in love with, with looking a certain way and being a certain kind of husband and, and men take all the brunt of everything and, and being her savior. I was in love with being her savior at the expense of my own feelings. And number three, you've been lying about what you ultimately want. Ultimately, what most men want is not saving the marriage. It's you want a new marriage. You want to create a new marriage with a woman who truly loves and adores you. If you were to take faces and names and history off the plate, and I said, what do you really, really want? You would probably tell me, Mark, what I want is a woman who cherishes and adores me, that I serve, and together we have this great symbiotic relationship. That's what I want. But what happens is you, you tell the lie that, oh, I want to save my marriage. No, what you're trying to do is hold on to something that's already dead. See, at Empowered Man, we have this saying that once your wife has decided she wants out of the marriage, once she has cheated on you, once she has tried to kick you out, once she's filed for divorce, once she said, let's separate, once she's moved out of the house, once those things have happened, your old marriage is dead. Your old marriage is dead. So we don't actually even believe that you can save a marriage. What we believe is you can create a new marriage. And when you create a new marriage, hopefully you get the opportunity to create with her. But that comes back to the work that she does on herself. And if that's not with her, then maybe you create a new marriage with somebody else down the road. And that was my story. I did everything I could to save the marriage until I recognized this marriage was beyond saving. Because let's face it, guys, when these things happen, it's not that we call it the end and call it quits. It's that both people have to do the work. There's a lie going around that it only takes one to save a marriage. I say it's absolute bullshit, fucking bullshit. And here's why, is while one can do the work to lead and bring her back, she still has to do the work to be healthy. And so there's this adage out there that, oh, it only takes one, and I just call it bullshit. I just call it for what it is. I think for a marriage to be healthy, both people have to be healthy. Both people have to be willing. Sure, you can go in and, and be the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate white knight, the ultimate, I lay down everything, my life, everything for you. I don't need anything from you. I'm just a humble servant. You could be that if you want, and maybe that looks noble to you, but that's not healthy. And I don't believe that's what we were designed for. I believe that we were designed for love to be given and taken back and forth, to have that healthy symbiotic relationship where we feed each other, nurture each other in love. And that can't happen if both partners are not working on themselves. That's why most marriage counseling and therapy does not work because it's geared towards people who are actually both healthy, healthy individuals who come together to work through and resolve certain issues. But most people, when they go to marriage therapy and counseling, are not healthy individuals. They're very toxic. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to work on themselves. And so then they bring all that baggage and all that bullshit into a marriage therapy session. And all you do is rehash every week the same shit over and over again and just causing friction and friction and friction. You know, finally get to a point where you go, what are we doing? Why are we even doing this? This makes no sense. And then it makes more sense to separate. It makes more sense to move on and go on our separate ways. It's tough, but that's the reality of the situation 
that we're in. Number three, the number three thing, so I already talked about so far is number one, stop hitting the she button. Number two, recognize you've been lying to yourself. And number three, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable. This is a cuss word to a lot of men. Be vulnerable. Most of the men view vulnerability as weakness. They see it as weakness. If I'm vulnerable, it's, it's weakness. But here's the way I see it. I see vulnerability as a bridge to connection. I see vulnerability as a bridge to connection. Brene Brown, famous author, Dare to Lead, uh, especially a great book for you to pick up if you're, if you're into reading, says vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. I love this. Vulnerability is not winning or losing. Being vulnerable, not just to your wife. I'm not talking about just your wife. I'm talking about being vulnerable, period. Of coming to this place of just, I'm gutted. I'm gutted right now. I'm going through the hardest thing I've ever gone through, probably in my life. And because you're going through that, being vulnerable with people, and again, safe people, meaning people you can be, that you can be vulnerable with in, in a healthy way. There's, vulner, there's different levels of vulnerability. You know, there's the vulnerability of like, my wife and I are going through some things right now. We're not in a good place. You know, say some prayers for us or whatever. And then there's the, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. I need, to be, I need you to be a safe place for me to share all of my feelings and, and, and really help me see clearly what I need to be doing and what I need to be working on. But that vulnerability is having the courage to show up and be seen no matter what. We don't have control of the outcome. Look, sir, if you're listening to this episode, if you're watching this training, whatever we want to call it, if you're here right now, you do not have control over the outcome. The only thing you have control over is you yourself. And so you must get to a place where your focus is on vulnerability for the sake of your own heart. See, by being vulnerable, what we end up doing is showing our courage. We reveal courage because it takes courage to be vulnerable, right? To, to take off the, the mask, if you will, to take off the armor and to show what's underneath takes courage. And so the true test of a man's character is not in, you know, can he come back from, you know, defeat, but it's, does he have the courage to stand up when he is defeated? It's not, can he come back from defeat? It's does he have the courage to stand up when he's been defeated? And if you've been defeated right now, this is your opportunity. This is your calling to stand up and to stand higher than you ever have before and say, I will not let this take me down. I will stand with courage and I will be vulnerable to the world. And the world will know I have struggled, but I'm not doing it to, you know, to throw my wife under the bus. I'm not doing it to, to get people to feel sorry for me, but I'm going to be authentic and transparent with the fact that I am going through things right now that are tough. I remember being in my office, uh, being at my work when I was going through a lot of this stuff and not even being able to hold it together through a meeting. I'd have to leave halfway through a meeting or I'd spend six hours out of my eight hour day crying in my office because I was such a mess. And, and, and I, was, I felt like I was dying inside. And that, but that vulnerability with my team and the people around me extended grace to me. Instead of trying to hide it, instead of trying to, I've got this, I'm a strong man. Instead of doing that, it had the opposite reaction. It, it brought people into my corner that I didn't even know would support me, who supported me through it, not felt sorry for me, but had empathy versus sympathy. Empathy for me felt what I felt and were there for me. That's vulnerability. 
vulnerability showing up, not as weakness, but showing up as courageous that I am facing something that is tough. So you have to be vulnerable. Number four, it's a perfect segue into this. Number four is detaching from the outcome of saving your marriage. The number four thing you've got to do, number four step is you've got to detach from the outcome of saving your marriage. Your focus has to be on the process of becoming more impaired, empowered. That means that you have to shift from, I'm saving the marriage, I'm saving the marriage, I'm saving the marriage. I want to do this, I want to do this thing so I can save the marriage. If I don't file for divorce, maybe this will happen. Um, we have guys that are even like wanting to jump into our Thrive program and they're scared to jump into our Thrive program because they're afraid that if I make this decision to jump into Thrive, that she'll want to divorce me. It's like, bro, she's already divorced you in her mind. The, the divorce is just a paper process now that has to be done legally. But when a wife says, I don't want to be married to you anymore, she has divorced you. Your marriage is over. The only way forward is to create a new marriage. And if you working on yourself stops her from desiring to create a new marriage from yourself, what does that say about her? And if you not willing to take the step and working on yourself because of your fear that taking that step of becoming the most empowered version of yourself will cause her to want to file for divorce, what does that say about you? You must learn from your mistakes. The only way you can learn from your mistakes is by detaching from the outcome. So detaching from the outcome is, is literally where you focus on the process of becoming empowered not on saving it. Here's what I mean by that. You set the goal or the target of like, I want to be back with my wife. My hope, my, my goal, if you will, is to, for us to reconcile. And in order for that to happen, I need to do these things. Stop hitting the she button, be vulnerable, right? Recognize I've been lying to myself, all those things, detaching from the outcome. And I'll talk about the, the, the fourth final piece, but doing those things, helps me detach from the outcome because I'm just focused on that process. What if every day you woke up and you're just focused on, hey, today I'm taking ownership. I'm just taking ownership. Wherever I feel like I'm lying to myself, I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to be transparent. Ownership, transparency, and vulnerability. If I just focus on those three things, guess what will happen? I'll stop hitting the she button. I'll stop lying to myself and I'll be vulnerable. And then what happens is I start detaching from the outcome. So literally, if you follow these steps, the way they're laid out for you, you will actually detach from the outcome, which then gets you closer to the thing that you actually want. Because if you're suddenly not blaming your wife, she's going to notice. She's going to notice you're not blaming her anymore. You're not talking so much about her anymore. You're talking about what you're going through with your friends. You're talking about what you felt, what you're learning, what you're growing. You're not even really sharing these things with her, but she's catching it. Maybe you're sharing with your children a little bit, not, not so much about the divorce thing, but things you're learning about yourself. Like, you know, daddy's been really working on the fact that he hasn't been honest with his feelings or daddy's working on communication. He wants to be better at articulating what he feels and communicating and listening. And you're sharing that with your kids. She's going to pick up on those things. She will notice those things. The lying to yourself, just being transparent of, of not telling yourself this fake ass story of what you think to be true, but more focusing on what is actually true. And that's the thing that we want to do. And we want to get to that place. And then literally just by attacking the day every single day, 
So that's what we want to really ultimately do is we learn from the failures. We detach by attacking each day, coming at it from a place of, hey, I'm here today to be vulnerable, to be transparent, uh, to, to not lie to myself anymore and to not blame her, but looking at me. That's how you detach from the outcome. So that's the fourth step. And the fifth step, fifth and final step, this is probably one of the toughest steps, but they all go in sequence like this. The fifth and final step is do the work for you. Do the work for you. Here's what that looks like is true transformation can only happen if you're internally motivated. Look, I can convince you. I can, I can persuade you. If you and I were on a call, I'd probably just smack you around a bit. I'd share with you, oh man, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You need to come to my program. All these things. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, do, I, need, I need to do that. I need that. But if I just like, just made you do it three months, six months, nine months, 12 months from now, three years from now, five years from now, you'll have gone back to doing the same things that you were doing before. And that's because you're not internally motivated. You're externally motivated. And it's the same thing with people that go on diets, right? They see a diet plan and they're like, all right, I need to lose 20 pounds. So I just got to do it because um, I, I want to get girls or I want to be more attractive or, you know, like I want to fit into these clothes for, for prom or for, for something, something that comes, I don't know, I don't know, prom, my daughter's going to prom soon. That's probably what I'm thinking about, but, but I want to fit into these clothes for my 20th reunion or something, right? Or I want to be able to wear my marriage pants, the pants I wear at my wedding just for some reason, right? And we, we come up with all these external things and then maybe we do it, maybe we hit the goal, but then it goes away because it's not a lifestyle. It was change, not transformation. See, everybody can change. You can change in a moment. You can change in a heartbeat in a second. Change can happen just like that. But transformation is a different process. Transformation is a process that unroots or roots up the old, unroots it, whatever you want to call it, and starts to plant in new. So you're ripping up the old weeds, if you will, planting something new. That's transformation. That's transforming. And that can only happen if you're truly internally motivated. Change without any internal why doesn't stick. If you have change without an internal why, it won't stick. It just won't. It's like, it's like trying to, to uh, you know, take a tree, if you will. Uh, uh, you know, if you took some sort of tree and you just like maybe took like an inch of dirt out and just put that tree on top of it, just got it to stand up a little bit. Maybe you put some things around the side of it. If a wind gust came, that thing is going to get knocked over in a heartbeat because it won't stick because there's nothing internally motivated. There's no internal root structure system that's keeping the tree from getting knocked over. It's all external. We have these Palo Verde trees in Arizona. That happens all the time because there's, there's no way for them to go deep because there's, there's not much water out here. So they, their, their root system are on the outside. So when wind comes, those things blow over real fast. They don't stick. As soon as something hard happens, it won't stick. And that's what happens to so many men. They come into our program or they start working on themselves by themselves, especially they listen to my podcast. They, they, they show up to my Facebook group. They, you know, whatever, maybe they even go through my 30 day challenge or something. And, and they do this stuff and they're like, oh, I, I worked on myself. Oh, I, I took ownership. I, I owned, I owned my shit in the marriage. I'm like, no, you didn't. You did like two things. What are you talking about? And you did it because you were externally motivated because you were trying to prove something. You were trying to save the marriage. You were focused on the external thing and there was nothing internal about what you were doing. Change without internal why doesn't stick. And here's the final thing is change for someone else is not authentic change. Change for someone else is not authentic change because if you're doing it for her and you're not doing it for you, Number one, it won't stick. Number two, it's not authentic. 
It's not coming from a place of, hey, I'm doing this for me. Because I see this so many times, this happened to me. The changes I was trying to implement were changes that she told me she wanted to see, but they were all about her. And they had nothing to do with me being authentic and being who I am. And I'm not saying, guys, you can't, you, ha you have to be able to sacrifice sometimes. There are things that you need to do to, you know, to be there for your wife. And it's not all about you, but at the same time, there has to be an authentic version of you that shows up. And if you can't be authentic in that, then what are you doing? You're spinning your wheels. That's it. You're simply spinning your wheels. So you've got to do the work, but you got to do the work for you. And look, if you're truly doing the work and she doesn't notice, why does it matter if the work is for you? Why does it matter if nobody else notices if the work is for you? Sometimes the greatest seasons of growth in my life have been so internal that nobody else noticed. And I didn't even notice until two or three years later. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, where did, how did that happen? How did I get that growth? Where did that come from? It was because the internal changes I had been making that stuck and that continued. It's no different from anything, weight loss, working out, uh, any kind of transformation has to be done for you. You can't quit smoking. You can't do these things. Sure, you can think about those things as motivators, but ultimately for it to really stick, it has to be for you. So today we talked about the five steps to saving your marriage. Number one, again, stop hitting the she button. You got to stop blaming your wife. Number two, you got to recognize you've been lying to yourself. You've been telling yourself a story that may not be true. You need to be authentic with your story, be vulnerable with yourself, be, be transparent with yourself, be transparent with other people and start to look for the areas that you failed in the marriage. To go for the areas that you can take ownership over for how you did not show up in the marriage, how you can own what you failed, what you need to work on. Number three, be vulnerable. Be vulnerable with what you need to work on. Be vulnerable with the fact that you need to get better at communicating and setting boundaries, that you need to get better at owning your shit and, make, and stop making excuses for everything. Stop blaming her for everything. Number four, you have to detach from the outcome. You have to detach from the outcome. The more attached you are to the outcome of saving your marriage, the more you'll cling, the more you'll beg, the more you'll try to change. And then all of a sudden you'll go right back to doing the thing you did because it didn't work. And, and she'll see that and she'll know it for what it is. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from women. They're like, oh, now you want to change? Oh, now you want to do this stuff? It's obnoxious as hell to them, number one. When you're like, oh, look, I'm doing the dishes now. Oh, I'm taking out the garbage now. Oh, I'm doing these things now, right? You do all this for them and they notice it and they're like, this is stupid. I asked you to do these things three years ago. And now all of a sudden you want to do that's fucking obnoxious. But the other side of that is that it shouldn't be about doing it for them. It should be about doing it for you. And they will notice the difference when you're really doing it for yourself. They're going to applaud you from afar and they'll be like, I'm proud of him. He's really doing that work for himself. He's becoming a better communicator and he's doing it for himself. But what it's done is it, it has a byproduct of having a good effect on me. But at the end of the day, she still gets to decide what she wants to do because what she chooses is none of your business. It's really none of your business. That's hard to accept. But the reality is, is what she chooses to do is none of your business because you don't own her. She's not your possession. She's your wife, which means you are there to care and love. Husband, there is an art called husbandry, which is the art of taking care of plants. And that's your job as a husband to take care of, to, to, to help grow, to nurture. But she's not your possession. She is not your possession. Somebody needs to hear, she is not your possession. She is your wife. And she has probably felt like a possession for too long. And maybe it's time to let go of the possession and see her as a human being, see her as someone that, that you are there to love and cherish and nurture, but not as a possession. So detaching from the outcome because you don't own her. And fifth and final step again is doing the work for you, making the internal transformation, making the internal changes for you 
and for the benefit and the value of you and what it's going to do for you long-term. Because at the end of the day, your wife could be without you. Your kid's going to be without you. Your friend's going to be without you. There is no one you can escape more than yourself. Like you cannot escape you. That's what I meant to say. You cannot escape you. You are wherever you are. You'll, you'll escape other people. You can hide from other people. You can lie to other people, but you can't lie to yourself because you are where you always are. You will never be without yourself. So guys, those are the five steps for saving your marriage. I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. The next segment of the Bourbon Moment. I want to talk to you guys about women because we've been talking about women over the last couple of weeks, right? We've talked about first kisses. Joey started talking about strip clubs. But I want to talk about what's the one thing about women that you are most attracted to. Now, again, this is for guys. This isn't for you to be like, I'm so pure and I like women's intellect and shit. What, I mean, if that's the thing, then that's the thing. But like, what is that one thing that you are most like, you're like, damn. It just like drives you like, oh my God, I'm attracted to that girl. Mm-hmm. First, <laughs> I think that's hard. I mean, that's hard, right? Because is it first attraction? Are we talking long term attraction? Doesn't matter. Wow. I, I, earlier, earlier when you had shared, um, someone's intellect can make them more attractive. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I think the word is sapiosexual. When you're attracted yeah. by someone's intellect, um, yeah. that's a big thing for me. But honestly, I have a thing for one lips, like. Actual mm-hmm. lips, like like beautiful pout, things like that. Um, and honestly, I love confidence, like like not over the top confidence. Where like, oh my shit, don't stink. I'm like pretty. I'm done up. I love when a woman is not done up. Mm-hmm. When you see someone when they're not completely done up, when their hair's natural not beauty. done, natural beauty. Um, but then to see those women done up, man, I'll be honest. It almost feels like a step down in my eyes because I can appreciate when someone doesn't wear a ton of makeup and I'm not hating on makeup. I have no problem against it. I just see the byproduct. I mean, I was raised by women. So I saw like how long it takes to get makeup off, how long it takes to get ready. And if you're one of those women that takes a while to get ready, like, damn, I don't, I don't know what takes so long, but do your thing. It's a Um, lot. Yeah. But I mean, with that, I think if I had to like really choose something, it's lips that are intriguing. Um, and then beneath that smile, if mm. someone doesn't have a great and welcoming smile, it's tough for me to connect with someone. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? So physical attraction wise, definitely like legs mm-hmm. and ap- like stomach area for me. Interesting. Stomach like, area. Yeah. Like a flat stomach. Like. Someone that like looks like they work out, obviously, like that's mm. something that I'm very attracted to, obviously, because that's the lifestyle I like. So you like I know girls they, with abs? Not, no, not necessarily abs. I do find them, I can find those attractive too, but like a flat stomach that like, you can tell they work out. Yeah. So there's muscle there, but they also aren't necessarily like, all right, six pack all the time, right? Like they know how to f- have fun too. So 
like physical wise is that then like dress wise i like somebody that's gonna spend money on themselves right like i like when i see a woman that has the confidence to carry a nice bag have mm -hmm. nice shoes wear things like lululemon if they're in yoga pants but like appreciate that type of thing because it takes hard effort and work to get to the point that you're gonna you're gonna spend that type of money on yourself mm -hmm. and that's something that i'm attracted to because it takes a lot of effort to get there it's gonna take hard work unless somebody's buying it for you but if some like if you can have a conversation with me and you're telling me like hey you work your ass off and you you want to take care of yourself by buying you some material things cool i think that's fantastic to be honest so those are like my two things and obviously like throughout the years especially the last two years right like being able to connect on that emotional side where you can share a win and they're excited for you and it's not like a negative and then the vice versa because you're going to create a space of emotional connection and that's what i'm really looking for like that emotional connection right physical attack attraction makes you want to talk to somebody and get to that point but then once that emotion like the emotional connection goes like this it's like holy shit you're that much hotter you're that much more beautiful in my mind yeah, yeah. that makes sense for me then like so it's, it's easy like when you focus on like all the physical like the normal stuff right the boobs the ass whatever um i would say number one is actually the eyes mm -hmm. like i love like green blue eyes like blue eyes green eyes like my wife has green eyes um and that's amazing like i just love eyes partially also because the eyes are the window to the soul right it's like so there's like this thing where i can like see into them so it's like physical but it's also emotional connection at the same time um i would say face has has a lot to do with it too um but it's like eyes number one um i love just a really nice good ass as well i'm i'm probably an ass guy if you like you care less about how big your boobs are I, I just like a nice round ass. I just, I don't know, just one of those guys. Um, and then uh, beyond that, you guys are both silent. It's hilarious. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying that out loud right now. This is hilarious. We're listening. We're digesting. We're giving you space, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, and and then on the on the um the personality side or the whatever side, it's like someone who like conversationally can like hold a conversation and like talk about interesting things. But I would say values is like huge for me. So like when you said about like short-term versus long-term attraction, short-term attraction is obviously like eyes and ass and things like that. But then like long-term, it's like, it's seriously about, can I be friends with this person? Uh, can I, can I have long conversations with them? Um, and it'd be interesting. We, you know, we can talk about in the future episodes, you know, about my wife and like, you know, how we met in, in terms of, you know, the, the differences in who we were personality wise and how that's like ended up making for an incredible marriage versus what I was accustomed to in previous marriage. Um, and that definitely something to do, so. Thanks for joining us on The Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J-Dub. And we are out, we'll see you next week. 
Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group, empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.